Figure facts for life. We just want you to be healthy. Health and happiness. If you pay attention to what goes in your body, you'll be amazed at the results. Fuel, nourish, and heal your body. Eating healthy. Well, well that's everything. Put the right fuel in. Take care of your engine. Here's Roberta Janeiro. Here's Roberta Janeiro. Roberta Janeiro. Welcome to Figure Facts for Life podcast. I'm your host, Roberta Gennaro. I'm a registered dietitian with over 30 years clinical nutrition experience. I am committed to share my expertise and the expertise of my colleagues so that you better understand how to use food to fuel, nourish, and heal your body. Today, we're going to be talking with Stephen Taylor, the CEO of Sjogren's Syndrome Foundation. And since joining the foundation in 2003, Steve has focused on making Sjogren's syndrome a household name by increasing the awareness among the general public and healthcare professionals. In fact, April is Sjogren's Awareness Month. So in addition to increasing awareness, Steve continues to lead the organization through major strategic initiatives, including developing the first ever clinical practice guidelines for Sjogren's, which will give physicians a roadmap on how to treat, manage, and monitor their patients. Now, in addition, we also are going to welcome Tara Mardigan to the show. She also is known as the Plate Coach. She's a fellow registered dietitian nutritionist and a co-author of The Real Fit Kitchen, a cookbook for athletes. Tara is a longtime member of the Sjogren's Syndrome Foundation Medical Advisory Board. Welcome to the show, both of you, and thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. So we'll start with you, Stephen. Can you share with our listeners what is Sjogren's Syndrome? Because I think, you know, some people may not have heard about it, but I think we need to make people aware because it's often a syndrome that's misdiagnosed or goes undetected and people suffer needlessly because of that. Absolutely. And thanks, Roberta, for having me and Tara on the show during April Sjogren's Awareness Month. We truly appreciate it. And I love the focus of your show because nutrition is a big part of any autoimmune disease. And Tara will get that to that in a little bit. Thank you. Um, but yeah, but Sjogren's is an autoimmune disease similar to a lupus, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis. They're all autoimmune diseases just like Sjogren's. Our disease is where the immune system attacks the moisture-producing glands in a person's body. So moisture-producing glands, you have them all throughout your body, but ones patients recognize the most are going to be your tear ducts, your saliva glands, um, and so that causes dry eye, uh, dry mouth. Um, and when I say dry mouth, it's the uh, inability to produce saliva where you can't chew a cracker without having some kind of liquid. Uh, you have horrible tooth decay because of your lack of saliva. Um, those are symptoms that patients recognize first and foremost, along with fatigue, joint pain, and then GI issues, uh, digestion issues, as well as reflux. Um, in addition to that, the disease attacks the internal organs. Although patients don't always recognize those symptoms right away, that's why it's important to get diagnosed because it can attack your livers, your lungs, your kidney. And so obviously patients need to get diagnosed. And right now, as you mentioned, it often um, can be misdiagnosed or in the diagnosis, and so right now it takes an average of 2.8 years. We've come a long way. It used to be six years, but now we're at 2.8 years to get a diagnosis wow. of the disease. But it's so important that people recognize the symptoms and talk to their primary care doctor about the symptoms. Absolutely. I was reading, it shows up 90% in women. Mm-hmm. Is that the is that the truth? Yeah, it is. So it's 90% women, 90, 10% men. So we estimate about 4 million Americans have Sjogren's. Um, there's, and 90% of our patients are women, and then 10% are 
men. And that's not uncommon in the autoimmune disease world. So lupus skews towards women, scleroderma skews towards women. Um, there's only five autoimmune diseases that skew towards men instead of women out of the 80-plus autoimmune diseases that are out there. So unfortunately, women are much more likely to have an autoimmune disease than men because all of them skew towards women. Ours is one of the, the strongest skews, 90% women, 10% men, although there is some argument that there's going to be more men diagnosed now that more awareness is happening around the disease, but it'll still skew way more women than men. Right. And then also the age group in which Sjogren's tends to manifest is is 40 and older, correct? Yeah. Typically diagnosis is around 40, 42 years old, um, sometimes a little bit later than that. Um, we are seeing younger and younger people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s. We even have teenagers diagnosed with the disease. Um, but average age is in the 40s when um, a lot of our symptoms start to mimic other things like menopause or osteoarthritis, other things that are kind of commonly diagnosed um, in women, and they're told that it's really just that, it's either just menopause or it's just osteoarthritis, when it's actually precursors to Sjogren's, someone just didn't make all the connections. So um, so you'll see the average age in the 40s of most of our patients still currently. Right. And I think it's important that having these awareness month topics and focuses like like Sjogren's and autism and lupus, and you know they they focus on getting the public aware is because many of these conditions do fall through the cracks. They look like other conditions, and people are suffering needlessly. So how how is yeah. Sjogren's actually diagnosed, and who diagnoses it? Yeah, so I think your point is a broader point too, which is excellent to cover for all your listeners, no matter if they have Sjogren's and other autoimmune disease, or just have symptoms, or any of us are going to end up with something probably in our lifetime. The idea that you tell your primary care physician all of the symptoms that you're having. Tell one doctor what you're being treated for by other doctors as well as what symptoms that you're experiencing because that's where we see the breakdown happening is typically patients go to a primary care doctor. Sometimes in in the case of a woman, their OBGYN is their primary care doctor. So make sure your primary care doctor knows the various things you're being treated for or you have. So for example, a lot of our patients will go to the eye care provider, get treated for their dry eye. They're on eye drops eight times a day, but they never think to tell their primary care doctor because their eye doctor is taking care of it. They go to the dentist every month or two months, three months, having tooth decay. No one ever thinks to tell your primary care doctor about tooth decay because you don't think it's really associated with your health. And so what happens is you go to a doctor as a 42-year-old woman complaining of joint pain. The doctor, of course, is going to go, which is most common, arthritis, the beginning of some arthritis. You're getting in your 40s. Um, And so they start to go that road. If you had told your doctor about your tooth decay, and about your dry eye and about your joint pain, the doctor will be a lot quicker because doctors are very astute when you talk about moisture and then joint pain, right. the moisture in your mouth or eyes and joint pain. They'll be quick to pick that up. But if you just go in and talk about joint pain because you think those other specialists are handling those other issues, you won't be diagnosed. Once you're telling your doctor, and this happens with all diseases, diabetes, cancer, you want one doctor to be able to put all those dots together. You don't want to be your own doctor and you don't want to forget things that you're being treated for by other doctors. So I always tell patients no matter what your conditions are, you always want one doctor to know everything because they're going to be a lot more astute and faster to diagnose whatever the situation may be. Yes, and I think it's important that they sign off to share that information with their other physicians. 
at so at your primary care physician office they'll have a form that basically you're giving permission for them to share the information with your physician and back and forth you know so they yeah, can communicate forth, yep. because then it's a comprehensive care instead right. of you know things falling through the cracks like you're saying and and then un, uh, needless suffering is occurring uh, yeah and then in regards to getting worked up for a diagnosis specifically of Sjogren's yes. the doctor will typically refer you to a rheumatologist which is really um, they treat rheumatic autoimmune diseases so they treat things like lupus and Sjogren's so a rheumatologist would be where you probably get referred now sometimes primary care physicians will diagnose there is blood work but it is really a comprehensive kind of criteria to get diagnosed with the disease they put you through dry eye tests dry mouth tests um, they put you through blood work so um, there's an SSA and SSB which are biomarkers for Sjogren's there's RS factor which rheumatoid arthritis patients also are positive for Sjogren's patients often are positive for and some other blood markers that they will look for and so they'll put it all together to formally diagnose there is one other further step that some patients go to to get a formal diagnosis when some of the blood work is questionable which is a lip biopsy where they um, cut out a couple of salivary glands in the front of your lip Ow. and look for the infiltration in those glands <laughs> yeah you, you know it's not as bad as it sounds okay it's a bit like oral <laughs> surgery but it does sound um, it you know it patients are nervous about that but right. I always tell patients if you want if you had a little tumor, you'd have it biopsied. So if you're going oh, to want to know if you have an autoimmune disease, it's part of the process. It's numb for a few hours like surgery or a tooth you know, tooth um, extraction, and then you're back to your normal self and you don't even realize it. And you can have numerous um, lip biopsies over years. It's not like you only have one in your lifetime. Um, but The lips the are very vascular too, so they heal well, right? They heal well? Yeah, they- yeah, they usually are self, you know, um, absolving uh, right. stitches, and they pretty much it heals very well. Very minor risk factors to it, um, and not every patient has to have that. So it's really up to each patient, their doctor, if they want to have even more of a formal diagnosis of the disease. If some of the other stuff is not as conclusive, um, and then they'll do the lip biopsy. But not every patient has a lip biopsy. Right. All right. Moving along, knowing little about Sjogren's as I do, and that's yeah. why I'm doing this because I want to become more aware and and get our listeners more aware about this syndrome. Share with me how it affects a person's life, and then we'll bring Tara on to talk more about how dietary intervention can help. Sure. So, I mean, I think the biggest challenge with our patients is it's a, a disease that affects their quality of life. We do lose patients to the disease every year from lung complications or lymphoma connection that we have, um, but majority of our patients live a very ch- can live a very challenged quality of life. That means that they have a profound fatigue. It's not just fatigue where you can rest and you're fine. It's profound fatigue that is overwhelming um, and it comes on and goes off without you really knowing when it's going to hit you sometimes. And other patients are bedridden because of their fatigue or their joint pain, which is also very, very dangerous and painful. Um, And so it really affects people's work life. People have to change their jobs, have to retire early. Just when they're getting their golden years, they end up with an autoimmune disease and they have to retire um, and not really enjoy their golden years as much as they hope they would because this disease is kind of insidious and, and causes such uh, challenges to them. So even like, for example, getting down the floor and playing with the grandkids is impossible for some of our patients because of the joint pain so bad. Wow. The fatigue can be overwhelming that they lose friends because they can't be counted on to go to lunches or dinners or weddings because you just don't know how bad the disease will be from day to day. Right. Um, 
And so, so those things, and then of course the, the fear factor that they live with, which will it become lymphoma? Will I end up with lung complications where I have to have lung transplant or where I could die from a simple pneumonia infection, which goes into a more serious thing because of your disease or Sjogren's causing complications and can claim your life. So the fear of not knowing what's ahead, I think is also draining on our patients in addition to all the various symptoms. And then the tooth decay, the cost of the dentist, the challenges, and then I know Tara's going to talk about eating and the food, um, causing the gastrointestinal issues, trying to change up their diet, figuring out what works for them, and right. then over time that can change as well. So so there's so many quality of life challenges, and some of us that are healthy take some of those things for granted, our good teeth, the ability to eat what we want, the ability to go for a run, go to the gym, and our patients don't always have that luxury when, uh, when they end up with Sjogren. So. Right. So could you do me a favor and just share with our listeners the website where they could get yeah. more information and support once diagnosed with yeah, Sjogren's. absolutely. So we have 65 support groups around the country. We do a conference. We have newsletters. We are fighting for clinical trials for drugs for Sjogren's. So many things happening in the science and research field, too. Fabulous. Uh, so, but you go to Sjogren's.org, and Sjogren's is spelled S-J-O-G-R-E-N-S.org. Even if you spell it wrong, we'll come up, but it's an S-J, not an S-H. So we right. know it's pronounced Sjogren's. It's S-J-O. Right. Um, and uh, the Swedish uh, doctor uh, founded uh, Sjogren's back in 1933. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Fabulous. And, you know, I just want to tell our listeners, too, that make sure that you go and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Figurefacts LLC to get all the latest nutrition information and some of the latest interventions so that we can keep you abreast and keep you well. And with that, I want to uh, liaison to Tara. Hi, Tara. How are you? Good. How are you? Now, just uh, to reiterate, Tara Mardigan is the plate coach. That's your website. Tara, theplatecoach.com? Yep, that's right. That's okay. my private practice and my website and my uh, social media handle. Okay, I love that. And Tara works along with the Sjogren Syndrome Foundation. She's on the Medical Advisory Board. And so I just want to start out, Tara, by saying that I know you've been involved with the Sjogren's Foundation and have spoken at conferences and met with patients. Can you share with us some of the most common situations patients have with nutrition and their Sjogren's? Sure. First, thanks, Roberta, for having me on. I think this is just such a great, you know, it's bringing awareness to something that a lot of people are not familiar with. So Stephen did a nice introduction of um, the challenges yes. that Sjogren's patients have. So specifically with regards to nutrition, uh, I think probably the number one that, that I hear about is the fatigue. I, I mean, the, the uh, dry mouth, dry eyes, yes, but I really do think the fatigue is probably the number one complaint that I hear from from the patients and also the joint pain, just the general, you know, feeling like they, they're stuck in this cycle of fatigue because it, it can wax and wane. So. And that is such a bummer. When you don't feel you have the energy to get through your day, it just makes that day so much harder, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. gosh, the faster we could get to a solution on that. So how, how do they bring up their energy level through diet? Yeah. Um, so on to that same point about fatigue and Sjogren syndrome is something that most people aren't familiar with. So what I often say is that, you know, the, the first thing people will do is they will often look online 
um, which can be good and bad. If they're looking at great resources like the Sjogren's Syndrome Foundation, it'll be great. <laughs> right. But, but I think, you know, one of the one of the areas that we have to be aware of as practitioners is that there's a lot of information out there, like try this supplement or do this or this, because that's going to help your fatigue. And people end up spending a lot, a lot of, of money. money. Yeah. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it, it's really bringing it back to the individual's issues. And some of the things that we can do are really work on including a, a anti-inflammatory diet. What does that um, diet specifically uh, contain? You know, what are the points that you touch on with clients about the anti-inflammatory diet? It's no different than any other anti-inflammatory diet that you might hear about for chronic disease prevention for heart disease or Alzheimer's or diabetes or cancer prevention. And so the goal is really to introduce foods that are known to help decrease inflammation in the body. Okay. Um, and those would be, I mean, I, I, I laugh because I tell my, my patients and clients, I say, paint your plate. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is getting in, you know, colorful fruits and vegetables right. and um, really trying to have those be whole fruits and vegetables as opposed to pills, potions, and powders. Right. Um, that I think that's a really important point. And again, it comes back to the, the vulnerability that people will just automatically want a really quick, you know, uh, fix and let me swallow this pill and then I'll be fine. And, and it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Right. Um, no, absolutely. And, you know, just to speak on the aspect of research and nutrition, we don't know all there is to know. We know, you know, certain compounds maybe in that fruit are helpful with inflammation, but there's compounds in there that maybe are doing things that are great for the body that we're not aware of that those potions and powders may just isolate that compound and then you don't get the benefit exactly. of the whole fruit or the whole vegetable. So yep. absolutely, I agree with you 100%. There's so, other components so, too. So, so. Color, so color your plate and, and anything else that helps with inflammation? Absolutely. So fatty fish would be very helpful, such as salmon or mackerel, sardines. Sardines are great. A lot of people... <laughs> if you like them, you so I, you know, I tend to like, I don't like fishy tasting fish. Okay. So give me some options. Give our listeners some options that are, you know, if you're not a fish eater, you know, yeah. are there some other options? Well, I just, I just put a whole bunch of lemon on top and then, and then maybe some uh, different spice blends that are not irritating, but you know, you can get a different flavor to, to mask it a little bit, but you can also get the healthy fat category from monounsaturated fats. So avocados, um, olive good, oil, yeah, really good, high quality, um, extra virgin olive oil, right. and then nuts and seeds are also good examples. And if chewing and swallowing is difficult, um, you know, putting them in the blender or, or getting into uh, the nut butters that are usually more moist would be helpful. Right. I just think, you know, when it comes to diet and specifics for individuals, it is in your best interest to reach out to a registered dietitian nutritionist in your area, preferably your doctor referring you because they've got a, a relationship with a dietitian in yeah. the area and and somebody that really works with Sjogren's so that they know all about the condition and that kind of thing. But, you know, just a shout out for dietitians because <laughs> it's it's just so important and not we're not all created the same and all diets don't work for everybody, especially, you know, some people may benefit. You're definitely going to benefit health-wise from the anti-inflammatory diet, but you may not, it may not help you as much with the symptoms of Sjogren's as you want. And that's why you want to have that relationship with a dietitian so she can help you tweak what you're yep. doing that's science-based and you're 
getting the best results. And I know that some of the challenges for patients is because of the lack of saliva and their dry mouth symptoms. What can patients do specifically for that? So for the dry mouth, you know, really it's, it's again, we're trying to help people have, it, it's the quality of life. So how can they have that meal be more, uh, you know, easier to, to handle? And unfortunately, there's not, it's not that the medications that are prescribed will automatically work, but there's a few places to start. First thing is making sure people are in their in their dental routines aren't using products that have alcohol because those can be drying. Okay. And that would also contribute to some of the dry mouth. So, so a, a mouthwash with alcohol, for example? A, exactly, which most of them have. So just trying to find products that are alcohol-free um, can be helpful uh, right off the bat there. How about, and, I was reading mm-hmm. that lemon, like putting lemon in your water and that kind of thing, does that help? It can be irritating for some. So okay. It's one of those. It's one of those. You got to just you know try be, trial and error kind of thing. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with um, you know certain acidic foods like tomatoes or tomato-based sauces um, or even spicy foods or Mexican Mexican foods. Some patients just can't tolerate it. So it's one of those. You know, like you said, you've got to work with a dietitian or someone that's familiar with the challenges and and really trial and error. So and find find out what works for you, Tara. I want to. Thank you for joining me today and thank you for tuning in to Figure Facts for Life podcast. Be sure to subscribe and stay in the know on cutting edge dietetic and nutrition information. We really would love if you would hop over to Facebook and like us on Figure Facts LLC and also follow us on Instagram and that's Figure Facts LLC, all one word. I'm Roberta Gennaro and ciao, ciao for now.